You're listening to Sci-Fi Fans, the podcast. Sci-Fi Fans is available as a TikTok channel as well as a YouTube channel. Thank you very much for joining me and enjoy the episode. Coming up in today's episode is an interview that I did with science fiction author, award-winning science fiction author, that is, Celinda Labrose. That's good. Okay, so Celinda, how do you how do you want me to refer to you throughout the interview? As Celinda, if you I can't hear you. <laughs> oh, I hit something. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I I hit my mute button by accident. Okay, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. <laughs> okay, my apologies. So Celinda is great. Okay then. Um, so your author name is Celinda. LeBruce. LeBruce. Okay, then. All right. So uh, without further ado, then, we'll uh, get going. So thank you very much, Celinda LeBruce, for coming on to Sci-Fi Fans to talk to me about your book. Um, I'm looking forward to finding out more about the story and what gives you your inspiration as a writer. So um, what? So I'm going to hand the floor over to you for you to Tell us all about your book. What is it um, about? Where can we find it? And and that kind of stuff. So over to you. Okay. Uh, well, my book is a military science fiction. Uh, my main character is female, but she is stuck in the middle of an all-male team. In fact, the, it actually starts out, uh, she is an underage teenager that gets kind of drafted by her circumstances. Right. Uh, and then the story develops out from there. I'm currently uh, in a complete rewrite of the second book, which uh, takes place five years after that. And then I have the third book ready for publication when the second book edits are, are complete, uh, where which takes place 10 years after the main event, five years after the second book. And so my series really grows with her as a character uh, going from her uh, teenage years into her early 20s, into her mid-20s, into her 30s. Uh, and then, you know, develops her life out from there. And funny enough, I like to think that uh, classic movies are my inspiration uh, for my characters and, and the stories they end up with. The, I don't believe that anything is new under the sun. Yeah. The, everything is kind of like how these classic tropes play out in our heads and minds and what that means for our lives and how that develops. Mm. And for me, that means that my first book is this this idea that came to me was what would Star Wars be like if the rebels were the bad guys. Right. Because I have heard kind of like the fandom suggest that that is the case. Now they've kind of put it on its head. So now I'd be intrigued to, to read more about, about your story and, and the characters. So where is it? Where's the setting? Obviously, I'm presuming in space, but are yes. we talking Earth, colonies, planets? Um, so they're colonies. Uh, I have a specific type of world built um, in in my world. Uh, there was a catastrophic uh, anomaly event like 
the one described in the Bible and Noah. Right. Um, but instead of there just being the water ship built by Noah with all of the animals and stuff and ark in it, uh, God saw fit to um, that there was this one family group of people that were were valid and and serving him, and so they were gifted with a plans for a spaceship that then you know from the heavens and and from god and so they blasted off the earth because the earth was going to be destroyed and all the people on it were going to be destroyed and blasted off into space and then had this long journey through space until they got to a colonizable planet significantly farther out in the universe um after hundreds of years and then they developed their own civilization and that civilization uh got destroyed and then another civilization and kind of like think um in, in its most basic sense all of the uh city building would be world building in my universe that yeah. was done in like the Middle East and, and those territories and then outwards from that. And then how we look at the world today as all of these different countries and, and, and setups and stuff um, is under a Roman ki kind of like empire just oh. in multiple galaxies. Because after all of this time and all of these things... Um, and because their language wasn't separated, they only have one language throughout all of this, with, of course, development of how language develops, but still speakable across galaxies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, I'm talking gibberish. Um, anyways, so the, the root of it is that there's uh, one empire that rules all of these galaxies and then the factions and uh they have like a senate planet where all of the uh they they have a ruling class that owns certain galaxies and then they have a colonial class that mm -hmm. is still going out and terraforming and developing the known galaxies um and building farther and farther out so there's outer territories, there's this whole, I, I, I like to think of like the earth as a microcosm of possibility for an outbuilding if like this was happening on a global scale with engines that can travel at the speed of light or faster. <laughs> right, so on, a, so on a, I've got a couple of questions there. So on a technology level, on a, and I'm presuming then everything's pretty much advanced. So you've got hyperdrives, light speed. Um, so you've got a real tech kind of built into the worlds as well. Yes, have um, they they have hyperspeed. They have high tech. Um, but my tech and 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 okay. So this is where my British influence really comes into play. I love Red Dwarf, and I love yeah. the idea of hard light hollows. So how do you have a hologram that interacts with the real world or how do you interact with a hologram? 
And I've been told that this would take a lot of power. So my, I, I have a whole mining industry that is specifically for developing the, the crystals for this power source. Um, but the world runs on hard light hollows. Right. Uh, whether it's the guns, um, whether it's the furniture, whether it's like some of the walls, it, yeah. it, it, it's hu like hugely hollow based um, and very manipulated. Like, man like, so let's say that uh, the core of what a gun is, which is basically a power source in a container, um, can be upgraded with software instead of having to be like hard grade hardware updated right all right across the military so like you know oh we have new guns so they 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 like blink upload the new software and then suddenly their gun looks totally different right that sounds an interesting concept on on that one um so have we come across any alien races yet no right um all of my races are a level of humanoid. The only thing alien about them is how the first types of terraformed planetoids right. um, messed with the growth cycles and human evolution. So there are some humanoid based, meaning like they, this area was colonized and then the planet turned their skin blue because they they're the, the type of sun in that area and the type of environment means that people have a like almost clear skin, yeah. um, lacking pigment. And so the blue purplish of our blood shows through um, mm -hmm. and turns yeah. them like a light blue purple. Yeah. It seems like you've put an incredible amount of thought into all of this world building um and i think you've it it's definitely come across that you've you've thought of literally everything um so where the humans have evolved what the effect that has i'm also surmising then you've also included how weightlessness affects the human body and so you've probably got people that are of a taller skeleton and taking gravitational pull in into consideration and, and yeah okay so how <laughs> how how have you come up with all of these ideas and literally thought about creation from the very beginning and expanding it into evolution i mean that sounds like what you've done <laughs> um i stole a lot so again i don't think there's anything new under the sun and uh science fiction and science fiction fantasy is like my favorite favorite genre television i don't i don't read as much science fiction as i read fantasy but i just absolutely love it um i'm not a horror person so i have to be really careful <laughs> with what i read in science fiction because as much as i love you i do not like alien <laughs> it is way too horror for me i couldn't no no the I wrote a zombie book, like the, the first series I ever completed was yeah. a teenage zombie book. And mm. I've never made it 10 minutes uh, into Shaun of the Dead. I just can't do it. <laughs> like, I'm not a zombie person. 
Oh. What about, have you seen Paul? Huh? Have you seen Paul? No, I, that doesn't sound familiar. Uh, it's got the um, it's got Simon Pegg and the other guy in it. Um, I forget his name. They go on a road trip, and they come across <laughs> an alien called Paul. No, uh, I haven't. You, are you, you see? I you need, need to see this. You definitely need to see it. Okay, I I will put that on my list because I've seen At World's End. Yeah. And I absolutely love Hot Fuzz. That is just like definitely. my jam is Hot Fuzz. Um. Yeah. But yeah, no, I still can't watch past the first it, it, 10 minutes of Shaun of the Dead. I, I just, I love the humor, but I can't get past it. Oh, no, zombies. <laughs> if we could all tolerate the same thing, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah. People like different things and that's what life's all about. Um, so, okay, I've, my mind is kind of blown by the amount of detail you've, you've come up and created and, and put in. Where does the story pick up? You say you've got this effectively underage girl in a man's world that shouldn't be there. So that that's pretty much where when we pick up the story. I mean, I I, I don't necessarily want to give away the beginning, um, but uh, I start out with a save the cat moment. Uh, if if you understand as a writer, like to endear your audience to your book, you're supposed to have a cat in a tree or, or someplace, and then your main character uh, cradles them to safety from the tree. And in my case, it's a droid, because um, the, so even though I have only humanoid builds um, for the most part, I do have a completely separate race in sentient droids. Right. Um, and um, I even have vampires in my novel, but my vampires are, um, humanoid built droids that turned on their human masters right. and gained freedom for a percentage of droid kind <laughs> by uh, sacrificing the blood of the, the human masters that they massacred. And so they <laughs> like drink the blood of humans um, for, for their freedom. It's, it's, it's a really cool mythos. Uh, yeah. But Anyways, I have this little droid, not <laughs> not a vampire, uh, who just is absolutely adventure loving, um, right. and it is like a mix between R two D two and uh, K nine, right? And like his abilities and interests and 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 direction of build, and he goes. He sneaks away from the farmhouse and goes out to on an adventure. And my main character is stuck trying to track him down. <laughs> okay. And in the process of trying to track this droid down, her entire world just blows up. So what she thought about her life, what she thought about what she was going to do with her life... Um, what she was developing to think about as a teenage girl in a in a colonial family in a colonial world, um, everything that her family had put into their lives just completely implodes, and from that she just kind of goes along with what's happening to her, yeah, and just just kind of is like non-responsive in this bubble of 
I can't process this. I can't process what happened to me. And she gets to a point where she decides to take control after she mourns what has happened to her. And that's where the story really gets its legs is that she starts becoming her own person and she grows into the fact that, yes, this is my life. Yes, this happened, but I am still going to live. I am still going to figure out what my needs are, what my wants are and how that fits into my gr- the, the greater universe of the world I live in. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you mentioned Red Dwarf there. What other and styles what other influences you with your writing uh so so my second book it has a very uh the mummy like base thing right the brendan fraser one yeah um because i have a uh freed resurrected creature that's going around terrorizing people <laughs> <laughs> um and my third book uh, got its legs really from uh, Indiana Jones because right. it's very um, have to stop the big bad larger than you think. It's still the rebels, but larger than you think organization that's terrorizing the world, trying to uh, track down this ancient artifact through you know these cavernous ruins. Uh, cause it belongs in a museum. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then my fourth book that is still in, uh, edits, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's written, but it's, it's, it needs yeah. a rewrite. So, so bad. Um, really is kind of more like a, um, Alex Craft kind of, you know, um, more like, so the series is really action adventurous, like through classic, um, but of all of the action adventure themes and stuff, that one's more like political intrigue and, um, the, it, it focuses a lot on Senate, which is my political planet. Um, and I love this planet because basically they figured out that they, that, uh, nobody likes to walk in the rain when they're in a business suit. (laughs) And so besides the people that are like flying around, they centralized all of the water functions for the entire planet underground. Right. So that it never rains. (laughs) And there's barely a cloud ever in the sky because they like have harvesters specifically yeah. that reroute all of the water through an aquifer underwater underground wa- aquifer system. Right. So it's so it's like that perfect temperature, perfect weather, but all skyscrapers, all large buildings across an entire planet, and it never rains. <laughs> it sounds like you've got so much attention to detail that you could probably write a, a single book on each planet and its um biosphere and political makeup and and everything um so and 
you say you just you borrowed a lot from everybody else, which is fair enough. I mean, I, I do agree with you there. I think the saying is that there are only actually seven stories to tell. Um, mm -hmm. Redemption, revenge, love. Um, and that's kind of where I get stuck. <laughs> but then you've, you know, you've got various offshoots from those as well. Um, yeah, and it's about how you create the story and put that forward. So it sounds like you have definitely got your own style and the world building is, I'm surprised to be honest, because um, from my own perspective, I thought I've done quite well with what I've done world building. And it sounds like you've taken that two or three steps forward. <laughs> well, I, I have like I have I have less of a, a world build and more of a universe build. Yeah. Um because and I have more than one series based in this. Like I have three series that uh one that's currently the one I'm currently writing, one that I'm releasing on Kindle Vea Vela. Kindle Vela, I, I keep always saying that name wrong, I apologize. Um, one that I'm releasing on Kindle Vela when that goes live. Um, and it's more of a Doctor Who-like show. Right. Um, and and I have like elements of, of time travel and history building and future civilizations and universe traveling in, in that series um and then that's that like i'm still writing on that one and then there's one i haven't even written that is a um kind of steampunk kind of gaslight series that is also based in this world build so i've had a i've had years to like develop out my greater universe uh and how all of these characters and things come into play and like how do vampires exist in my universe and how do uh werewolves exist in my universe have you got a werebear shapeshifter though <laughs> yes yes i have werebear shapeshifters and they're all german ancestry um <laughs> Because, so, so spoiler alert, this is absolutely spoiler. I haven't written this anywhere, and if someone steals it, well, okay, you know, it's not new information, so people can do with things that they like. Um, my book will, of course, be me, so that's what's important. But uh, in my world builds, the uh, Roman Empire, when it was starting to fail, decided to... Uh, start gene splicing right and uh they created werewolf shapeshifters right. and to combat that um utilizing ancient mystic techniques um <clears throat> uh in my world magic and future like future tech that gets into the wrong hands yeah are kind of one in the same it's like it's not really magic it's yeah. science, but it's science people don't understand. Like, if you got a microwave and had it hooked up to a forever battery, but it dropped into the 12th century, what would it do? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, um, 
But anyways, so to combat this, the uh, German hordes uh, spliced their DNA with bear bears <laughs> to combat the um, wolf DNA sliced super soldiers of Rome. And they've kind of battled and so much survived and they've developed into their own pockets mm. of shapeshifter communities that you know, hide from us because the war didn't go well and we don't like talking about them. <laughs> we don't want, you know, human beings, we don't want to know they exist. Yeah. They don't erase, they don't have like mind erasers, but th we don't want to know they exist. We erase <laughs> our own minds. Oh, that didn't happen. They're not like that. Because um, I've spoken to uh, another author, S.R. Rodriguez, and in his stories, his are based very spiritually in seeing the best in people and we and he said when I interviewed him is that everybody is a god if you are creating you can be a god because you create and with his stories his element is that again earth has been visited by aliens over many years and it is that technology side they've come down with all of this technology so they are aliens, but they appear to be like gods. Mm -hmm. um, and that seems like a similar theme with what you've done with yours to a de to degree. I'm not saying it's a blatant copy. I'm just saying you've got that kind of element of advances in technology popping in and out. Yes, yeah. um, I very much do. But they don't have double hearts. <laughs> <laughs> They're all single hearted. Yeah. Um, so so mine again i have i have a world build um which has like god the creator and him overseeing all of this yeah. um because that's that's like my take on things i i want to see god honoring science fiction uh oh. and that is valuable to me and my spiritual journey uh and so that's kind of in what I write, but outside of like a, a God that cares and is overseeing this kind of thing, I also have human beings that mess up that have access to, um, there's this passage that says that, uh, whatever we imagine will not be held from us. Right. And so I, I've, I've kind of have this idea that the science fiction of the past is becoming the science fact of today. Yeah. So what happens when we do cross those thresholds? What happens when AIs really do rise up? What What's going to happen uh, when? I mean, we have Terminator, but I would not. I, I would rather not it have uh, sentient AI beings with uh, time travel capabilities <laughs> that can like kill off. <laughs> timelines in the past well, but hey you know um you say, well, what would we do if siri actually understood what we was asking her <laughs> yeah right um i don't know i don't know if i'd have siri in my house <laughs> like would i be one of those people that you know put a barbed wire fence around my picket fence and and stick the guns out and hope that you know people weren't being turned into zombies through computers yeah which 
is actually the basis for my first book. <laughs> it's about a a um, computer that utilizes our technology against us to wipe people's minds and turn them into zombies. Right. Um. Anyways, no, not the point. It, huh? That's, it sounds really interesting. Um, and the first book is available now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. Sorry. That yeah. that's not this first book series. That was my first book series that I ever did and published. Um, oh. okay. It's it's called uh, Bite Me. B Y T E. Right. Um, because you know zombies and computer technology. <laughs> I thought it was an, a fun pun, but apparently nobody else recognized it, so I'm totally cool with that. But it exists. Uh, I, I usually don't promote it, but thank you for letting me share about it. Um, yeah, but it's it's definitely teetering on. It's definitely YA. It definitely teeters on a dystopian going into world build, uh, but mostly it's just a fun piece of horror level science fiction. Right. Um, but I, anyways, you were talking about how, so, so for me, it's more like um, human ambition driving yeah. with whatever's on hand. And because um, I allowed a civilization, like in my mind, it's if, if the civilization that predated the Romans had running hot and cold water through stone channels, irrigation, um, and, and mechanical water pumps and all of these things that we know to have existed, you know, yeah. Rome had automatic opening and closing doors where they would place a fire source on things and it would magically open and close wooden doors. Right. Um, if, if these civilizations hadn't been destroyed or stopped, what would have developed out of that? How sooner would have we had uh, the, the kind of technology and, and science that we have now? And if that existed, you know, to, to quote Star Wars, in a galaxy far, far away a long, long time ago... What would then develop out of that? What would that culture look like and be like? And how would that bleed into or out of Earth and our own history and stuff? Yeah. And so that's that's really where that thought process and those those lines come from of um, how the like where bear shapeshifter romance comes into play. I promise. <laughs> I, if I if I ever actually write that story down, it will be under a pen name. It will not be under my main series. <laughs> uh, it will still be in this it will still be in this universe, but it will not be under my name. Uh, I'll just explain the the Werebear shapeshifter, and this is um, a guy who's really helpful in the self publishing world called Dale Roberts, and it's a reference to something that he comes up. When he wants to explain the obscure, isn't it? He will say, go through. He'll run through all these different channels and methods of writing and genres, and he always seems to pick on the werebear shapeshifter romance. <laughs> so, for those of you that aren't familiar, that's generally what the, the joke is between us. 
<laughs> yeah, because uh, he doesn't he doesn't understand why this exists. I understand. I'm a woman. I understand the nature of romance writing. I don't write it. It is not me. <laughs> I would rather blow something up. I, I, I would rather shoot something up or blow something up or have something explode than to have to go through the, the trauma of blowing up a relationship in a book for the sake of bringing them back together at the end. Yeah. But it is a thing and people write it. And, and every once in a while, because I am a woman, I get that urge of, well, you know, it would be really cool to do this urban fantasy build romance. <laughs> okay, I could never actually publish that, but... <laughs> What, what would I do if I did write a werebear shifter romance? And how would that interact with my werebears and, and my werewolves and their secret communities in uh, the Alpine Mountains in Tennessee and uh, the, the, the Georgia Mountains? Hmm. <laughs> I sparkle. <laughs> uh yeah no the only reason why my vampires sparkle is if they get their uh skin cut off and and their metal bones show through right <laughs> how long have you been writing slinda oh um so are we talking professionally or are we talking uh like when it, when my teacher got me involved in it in the third grade and I won a prize. As far back, I mean, for me, uh, um, being an author from the age of 16, 17, um, it just took me a very long time to get there. So when did your writing journey begin? I'm guessing um, third, third grade in high school then. <laughs> yeah. So when I was in the third grade, um, I experienced a very traumatic event right. um, in which, uh, so I was living in Europe at the time. Yeah. Um, and I had a family that were living in uh, Russia right. uh, at the time. And so my parents decided to go visit their the the family in Russia because it's a lot easier to visit Russia from Europe than it is to fly over from the United States. <laughs> and this, mind you, I am old, so this was just a couple years after the wall fell. Right. And um, things were interesting in Russia and in, in part in the parts of Europe that I lived in uh, at the time. But I was young and and third grade. So I didn't understand all of those dynamics. Um, and we were traveling back on a train and we had gotten to Poland from Russia right. and run out of food and water. And so right. my parents decided to send my mom off the train with what little money that we had um, from our travels, left over from our travels, to get some food and water. And we thought that it was a 30 minute stop train stop and mm. through broken English and, and, and trying to understand their broken Russian because they were Polish. Uh, it was actually only three minutes. And mm. so my father got off the train to try to find my mother. And I was left with all of the baggage and all of the passports and mm. all of the identification and all of what was left of our, our traveling goods from traveling 
mm-hmm. on a train that took off with my parents on the platform. Right. And um, they luckily, uh, through the grace of God, my mother heard an audible voice in her head that said, you do not want to be stuck in Poland. Yeah. Um, and she turned around and went up. My father grabbed her by the hand and they ran for a moving train that was moving off the platform. Mm-hmm. And both of them were able to get on my father by the last car. Right. Um, and as you can imagine, this was a very traumatic event for me. So when I wrote this out as a third grader in my abilities to write at the time, I called it the train trip of terror. Because <laughs> I always had a way with words uh, yeah. and, and, and magnifying things. And it won uh, the regional competition. And I was able to go to a writer's conference. And at that writer's conference, they had... Uh, different writers that came in that were making children's books and making um, children's fiction, but also like it didn't, they didn't call it YA back then, but YA fiction for trade publishers. And they talked about what it took to be at that level and, and what writing meant and how it, how to get it going. And I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was like, this is a way for me to tell what's in my head, to tell, because I'm an only child. Right. And so I live in my head. Um, <laughs> books are my escape. I developed allergies when I was in middle school. Right. And so the outside is not friendly to me. I yeah. get heat stroke really easy and grass makes me break out in hives. And the one time I in Girl Scouts where I slept into a tent, I found out that I was allergic to what they use to make it rainproof and right. ended up in the ER not breathing. <laughs> some some reaction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like to imagine what the world is like by looking out my window. I I I take um what's that the the Lady of Shalott poem very very seriously. You know, you, you you stare out the window through the mirror because if you were actually to ever step outside into the world, you'll die. <laughs> um, and it's allowed me to have this rampant imagination that builds universes <laughs> and characters with and, and characters come to me within those universes and they want to tell their stories and I seriously have more outlined than I could probably write in the next 10 years, but I'm trying. I'm trying to get it out. <laughs> um, focusing on your first, on this particular, what is this one called? I don't think I've asked uh, you. To- so it's the Imperial War Saga is right. the series name. And yeah. um, every book starts with Imperial. So it's uh, my first book's Imperial Edge. My second book is... Uh, imperial hilt um and then the third book is i think going to be imperial assault or that might be the fourth book anyways uh one of those is that um i don't i don't have the cover with me right this second so but anyways as you can tell they all start with imperial and then if you can remember my first name celinda i'm very unique and the only celinda labrice out there writing right now so uh that i know of I will be putting a link in the description for the podcast to your book. 
so listeners can jump straight to it. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, But yes, I am focusing on finishing up this series. Um, I don't want these characters are in my heart and in my head. And I really want to finish their journey before I move on to my next project. Um, At the same time, I am writing that uh, Kendall Vea story. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm wanting to keep up serially with that. That's a goal. But yeah. I really would love some input for that because, like I said, it's a, a Doctor Who-like world build uh, in which the, the main character mm-hmm. is a um, American-Korean Southern female fashionista um, right. who ends up at a German school studying archaeology in Berlin. <laughs> okay. Um, um, is this and, going to be totally separate to the Imperial book series or is this in, in the same universe? So, so like I said, I, I it's all in the same universe. Same universe. Um, but so she's on the planet Earth. She's, you know, American yeah. in this new place. And she finds a book that's called the 25%. And when she opens the book up, she's transported to 25% of the time universe and everything. Right. And so within the 25% are these corridors and these corridors take her places and things happen that are supposed to happen. And the first story actually takes place on a imperial colonial planet. Right. Um, well, actually, the second story, the first story on Vela takes place in the f- in the future past. It's the past, but it's a futuristic world build on a a first generation. Uh, colonial imperial colonial planet so it it ties into uh, Miranda's world directly but it's not necessarily Miranda's story it's very much anime's story um, and what that means and what that looks like so okay um yeah I've I haven't got me I haven't got any other questions to ask you so um if you want to just give us Say so your sales pitch. So, oh. okay. I don't know. I don't know what my sales pitch is. Um, <laughs> buy my book. It's available. So I'm currently Amazon exclusive because it's in KDP. I want to try to get as large a readership for my science fiction as possible, and that's what I've been told is good. Uh, eventually, hopefully, I, I intend to take all my series wide, but for now, uh, they're in KDP and available to those readers or you can pick it up my first book is uh normally 2.99 i do a sale every once in a while for it you can look out for that or join my mailing list and i send out that information on my mailing list uh if you do join my mailing list i have a short uh called imperial fallout and it is a 10,000k short story about uh, Miranda's time uh, post-basic 
um, training in her Ironside training. It's uh, like the equivalent of Marines training. Uh, and she has to do a world jump, which is kind of like jumping, base jumping out of a plane, except for you're base jumping out of a spaceship landing on a planet. <laughs> okay. And all the fun that comes along with that. So if you want to pick it up, if uh, feel free. It's um, available just uh, at the back end of my uh, Miranda information. Sign up for my mailing list. You can get that copy free. And uh, yeah, so okay. uh, I'll include my, huh? I'll include the link to your mailing list in the description as well. So listeners can sign up to your mailing list as well as um, find your book on Amazon. Great. <laughs> so, and uh, the, the rewrite of book two should be out uh, hopefully by the end of July, if not middle of August. So. Okay. Um, so is it on KDP Select? So if they've got the Kindle Unlimited, can they download it for Kindle Unlimited as well? Yes. Brilliant. Uh, not 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 uh so not for the short but for for yeah. my first books um yeah okay um thanks a lot for coming on to podcast cylinder it's been i've enjoyed myself talking to you about your book and hopefully you've enjoyed yourself talking to me about it as well um and i'll just wrap it up here and just say to anybody listening then please do check out the links for cylinder's books on Amazon and if you've got Kindle Unlimited you can get a free copy and there's also a freebie if you join her mailing list so thanks a lot for joining me on sci-fi fans and uh, come back next time thank you so much for having me Wayne it's been a pleasure before I go I'd just like to mention that I have a YouTube channel sci-fi fans and TikTok channel sci-fi fans I also have a website where you can find out about my latest projects and more about my books, and that's wayneblinko.com, W-A-Y-N-E-B-L-I-N-K-O.com. And uh, yeah, that's just where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the other platforms. And um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Until next week, bye.